Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camarillo. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. Speaking of praise, uh, today we're going to be looking at a psalm of praise. We've, if you're just joining us or just kind of catching up here, we've been in a, a new sermon series looking at several different psalms, and, and I'm calling this series A Psalm for All Seasons. And we started out by looking at a psalm of lament, a psalm of sadness, an expression of, of sorrow, and, and, and questioning God and asking God, how long, O oh Lord? How long am I going to feel this way? I feel like you're so far away from me. And, and there are seasons in life like that where we feel that. And, and the Psalms give us expressions of, of that lament. And, and last week, uh, we looked at a Psalm. Uh, Alex pointed us to Psalm 12. And uh, in that Psalm, it expresses anger. It expresses frustration. He talked about uh, usage of our words and, and, and how uh, in this life we can feel like the faithful have vanished. That was Alex's focus last week. And, uh, and, and there are psalms that we can, we can vent that frustration. We can um, air our, our anger and uh, question God even in those, those circumstances in life. Today we're going to be looking at a psalm of praise. And as I was preparing for this, as I was looking ahead to this message, it kind of got me excited because I'm like, wow, awesome. Like, how, how fun to be able to talk about praise, and I was thinking in terms of, you know, this psalm for all seasons, there are psalms for seasons of praise, seasons where we are experiencing joy and where we're experiencing blessing and where, where we, just, we just want to praise. We just want to overflow with praise. And as I was looking through these different psalms of praise, and especially Psalm 66, which is what we're going to be looking at today, as I was looking through Psalm 66, it hit me. And God did a great work in my own heart, my own life, to see that psalms of praise are not just for particular seasons. Psalms of praise are for every season in life. And so I'm titling this message here today, Praise in Every Season. Psalm 34, it says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. We've got to know about that psalm, is that it was written by David as he was on the run from King Saul, and he couldn't even find refuge with the Philistines, and he went and he hid in a cave, and that's where this psalm was written. Did you know that? I will praise the Lord at all times, even while I'm sitting here in this cave. 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always. These are the words of Paul. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Paul wrote this after being forced to leave the city of Thessalonica by opponents of the gospel. And it's also clear through this letter to the Thessalonians that the Thessalonian church had had been tested by many unexpected deaths. And yet Paul says, rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Paul says again in Philippians 4, he says, rejoice always. Again, 
I say rejoice. I don't know how many times you've counted the word rejoice in the book of Philippians. I don't know the number offhand, but what we do know is that Paul, as he wrote those words, was sitting in prison. Today, as we look at Psalm 66, we're going to see that, yes, there are times and moments of just pure joy and pure praise because of the blessings we experience, because of the miracles that we see. But then we're going to find, too, that there are times where we are called to praise no matter what we're facing, no matter what hardships, no matter what trials. And so today, as we look at Psalm 66, I want us to, my heart and my prayer is that our view of praise would be expanded. We tend to think of praise as just in times of joy, in times of blessing, that our view of praise would be expanded. So I'm going to read, start out reading Psalm 66. Please turn there, if you would, in your Bibles. Psalm 66. I'm going to start with the first 12 verses. It says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give praise to him, glorious name. Give, sorry, give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him, who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living, and who has not let our foot slip? For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Let's pray. God, we pray today that you would use these words, this expression of praise, these words of Psalm 66. We don't even know exactly who wrote this psalm, whether it was was David or King Hezekiah, we don't even know. But God, we thank you for these words, and we pray that as we look at it, that you would expand our view of praise And in doing so, that you would expand our view of who you are, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that we see about praise in our view of praise is that praise, first and foremost, is a response. See, there are moments in life, and I'm sure you can identify with this, where praise can be our natural response. This is really the easiest type of praise. It's kind of the type of praise and the type of joy that we don't really even have to work at because that praise just kind of wells up in us and and flows out of us because we can see so clearly God's hand at work, whether it's an answer to prayer or a miracle or whatever it might be. 
Sometimes we don't even have to try to praise. And as I was thinking about that concept, it took me back several years. I remember exactly where I was. It was June 13th, 1998, when the Chicago Bulls were just on the cusp of winning their second three-peat. I grew up outside of Chicago, so I was, you know, I, I grew up, like I got to live and breathe like the days of Michael Jordan, just right, right there outside of Chicago and, and game six of the NBA championship. And uh, I remember exactly where I was during this game. Uh, we were with some family friends at, at their house. I think it was for a graduation party or something, and, and the game was on. There were only a few of us left there at the party, and, 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 and the game is, is getting toward the end. There's only 15 seconds left, and Michael Jordan has the ball. They're down by one point, and, and he drives in toward the basket, does a fake, pulls back, shoots just like, you know, the Michael Jordan glory moments, shoots that ball, swish, <laughs> right, right in the basket with about four to five seconds left on the clock. Puts them ahead one point. Well, you can imagine all of us in that moment what our response was. Because in those moments, you know, a game like that, everyone's like standing up on their feet, watching to see what's going to happen in these last 15 seconds and and of course, of course, what do we do? What do we do right when that ball goes? We just jump up and down and up and down and give in high fives. And, and of course, that's our natural response. And then I remember clearly and distinctly as the clock ran out, the time ran out, and the Bulls won. Bulls won their sixth championship in eight years, their second three-peat. I mean, we're going crazy. And I remember just kind of hearing the announcer on the TV being, and the Chicago Bulls win their second three-peat. <laughs> like, come on, where's your excitement in all of this? But those are natural responses. Bulls winning their second three-peat, or the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series after however 108 years or whatever it was. I've shared about that before. There are times when praise, similarly, just flows out of us because God steps in, in a, just at the right moment and, and saves the day and, and we can experience refuge just in the storm that we're facing, the hardships. We experience a, a break and, and God coming in and, and rescuing us. We experience a, a clear answer to prayer something we've been waiting and waiting for. We experience victory in the face of defeat. When we experience that glorious feeling of the forgiveness of our sins, as the blood of Jesus just washes over us and saves us and forgives us, and the, the joy and the praise that we give because of the eternal life, the promise of eternal life, that we have. We respond in joy and praise when God brings peace to whatever anxiety or fear we might be experiencing. We see this in these words in Psalm 66, 1 and 2. It says, 
Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. And then skip down to verse 4. It says, they sing praises to your name. That can be kind of a confusing one for us. Because have you ever thought about, you know, Sam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to praise your name. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> what is all this talk in the Bible about the name of Jesus or bringing praise to the name of God? Well, name, a name in Hebrew was much more than what we think of as a name today. A name was something that encompassed the character of a person. That's the use of the, the word name in Hebrew. And so when we talk about bringing praise to his name, to the name of God, to the name of Jesus, it encompasses his entire character. It's a description of who he is, of everything that he is. Verses, or sorry, verse 5, it invites us to respond. It says, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. And it goes on to tell why, because of these miracles that we see. Because when God does the impossible, we can't do anything else but praise. Verses 6 and 7, it says, he turned the sea into dry land, likely referring to the Red Sea. And then it says, they passed through the river on foot. We looked at this several weeks back in Joshua chapter 4, when God parted the waters of the Jordan River during flood stage as the Israelites went across on dry land. It says, there did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. So there are times when we can't help but just overflow with praise. But then there are times where we have to respond. We should respond and give God the glory and the praise that's due his name. Even if it doesn't flow out of us naturally. Sometimes it takes intentionality even for the blessings that God gives us. I'm not talking quite yet about praising God in the hardships of life. I'm just talking about pausing in the right moments, at the right time, to stop and give God praise for the big things, for the miracles, for the answers to prayer, but even for the small things, the small blessings. You can walk up to your car. I've done this before. I, I walked up to my car and I just realized, God, thank you that I've got a car. Thank you that I have a car to drive. And sometimes I'm hesitant to say that because I'm worried that something's going to happen to that car like two days later. I think we can all relate to that. But taking a moment out of your day to walk around the block Take a moment at work to walk around the block or outside of your house and, and listen to one worship song. Listen to one praise song. YouTube something and pull up a worship song. Or pausing to praise when you open a check in the mail. 
and it's just the right amount for something that you needed. Or maybe it's abundance. Maybe you're receiving out of abundance and you pause to praise God. Thank you. I praise you. I praise you for watching out for me, for blessing me, for giving me what I need and more. In your life, what I want to ask is, how often do you stop to praise? How often? That's part of our response, is just stopping, pausing, not just in the miraculous moments, but in the everyday blessings that we can experience as we walk through this life. So first, praise is a response. But the second thing that we see, and this gets a little harder, I got to say, this gets a little harder. Praise is a choice. There's a story told of Paganini, who was arguably one of the best violinists who ever lived. And one night he came out before his audience to perform, and he discovered as he came before the audience, uh, just as they were ending their applause, there was something wrong with his violin. And he looked at it for a second, and he realized in that moment that this was not actually his violin, his precious, famous violin. And in that moment, he had panic. What am I going to do? And so he turned to his audience and he explained that there's been some kind of mistake. I, I, don't, I don't have my violin. And so he stepped behind the curtain thinking that he'd find his precious, valuable violin where he'd left it. But nope, it's not there. See what had happened? Someone had come and stolen his violin and, and left an old, cheap, second-hand violin there in its place. And in that moment, Paganini had a decision to make. Would he come back out and just cancel the show? Sorry, there's been a mistake. Have a good night. Would he just run? Disappear? Well, he thought for a moment and he decided something. He came out and stood before the audience and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I will show you that music is not in the instrument, but that music is in the soul. It says that he played like he never played before. And out of that secondhand instrument, the music just poured out. That music just poured forth until the audience was enraptured and just enthused and the applause almost lifted the ceiling of that building. Do you have a second-hand instrument in your life right now where you're feeling, God, what am I supposed to do with this? 
God, how am I going to get through this? The writer of that story of Paganini says, It is your mission, it is your mission, tested and tried one, to walk out on the stage of this world and reveal to all the earth and heaven that music is not in conditions, not in the things, not in externals, but the music of life is in your own soul. How do we know that? We know that from Psalm 66 right here. Look at verses 10 through 12. This psalm of praise, listen. It says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Did you hear those words? Were you confused for a second? Like, wait, hold on. This does not sound like a psalm of praise. This sounds like a psalm of lament, a psalm of sadness, a psalm of frustration. But back up a few verses. Back up to verses 8 and 9. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. That's the God that we praise. It doesn't always keep us from going through the water, going through the fire or the flood. But who keeps our feet from slipping? Who's continued to bring us out to a place of abundance? See, praise often requires a choice. One author says that it may require a, dis a decision despite feelings, despite hardship, despite loss and grief. And it's because of the joy that we have deep, deep down into our souls. The joy and the peace that only followers of Jesus can experience. Only those who have experienced the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ because of his death on the cross and his resurrection as he defeated sin and death and the power of the devil. That's the difference in the life of a believer and the difference between happiness and joy. I'm sure many of you have thought of that concept before, the, the difference between happiness, the things that are temporal, the things, the enjoyment that we just simply find in this life here on earth that make us happy or have feelings of happiness, but joy is so different. Joy is, is deep, deep down in our souls, and joy is something that cannot be taken away from us. Joy comes from the peace of knowing Jesus Christ. The peace that the Bible describes that surpasses all understanding. How do you explain it? How do you explain this psalm? 
How do we turn sorrow and lament to praise? It's through the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts. But praise often requires a choice, often requires a decision. We are daily faced with that choice. Will I choose to praise? Or will I choose to run off this stage of life? Because things are hard, because things are painful. And sometimes it feels like you can't get through. But that joy, that joy deep, deep down, that peace deep, deep down, keeps you going, keeps you praising. And God blesses that. God honors that. It says, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance where we continue to experience his blessings. I don't know about you, but going through difficult times, I can always stop. I can always stop and make a much longer list of the blessings that God's given than the hardships that I'm facing. But that requires a decision. It requires a a discipline. So praise is a choice. The last thing I want to highlight in expanding this view of praise is that praise is also a sacrifice. Look at verses 13 through 15. It says, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. The word that we keep hearing over and over in this is offering, giving. This is sacrifice. You ever thought how praise and sacrifice can go together? How do those words even relate? But as God's children, as recipients of his love and his blessings and his peace and his joy, we can come and give sacrificially. Now, we don't relate as much to what's described here in verses 13 through 15 as the psalmist talks about bringing these burnt offerings and performing my vows and, and uh, the, the offerings of fattened animals and the smoke of the sacrifice. We just don't quite relate to that because this is part of the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system. And pr- uh, sacrifice often was, was tied to praise. But what is your sacrifice of praise? Is it coming out to this parking lot for a worship service, maybe on your only day off or the only day where you could sleep in or just have the day completely to yourself? Is it pulling up your computer on a Sunday morning, discipline, disciplining yourself to take this hour out of your week to worship? Is it 
taking a pause in your day to listen to that worship song on your phone rather than listening to something or filling yourself with something that's maybe just going to feed into your discouragement or just feed into those feelings of, of misery? Is it giving sacrificially rather than out of abundance when maybe you're already financially stretched? Just like that widow who gave everything that she had, those two small coins. Is it singing the words of hymns or or worship songs when you're just so weighed down or, or questioning God and you'd rather stand in protest. I'm boycotting singing today. I'm just going to stand here. Or is it still lifting your hand in worship even when it's extremely difficult? David Taylor, the author of that book I've mentioned before on the Psalms, Open and Unafraid, he says, sometimes our bodies need to lead the heart. And other times, our hearts need to lead our bodies. I'll repeat that. Sometimes our bodies need to lead the heart, raising your hand and then aligning your heart. Other times, Our hearts need to lead our bodies. That's praise. That's what praise is. Many of you are probably familiar with the Christian band Casting Crowns. I'm kind of dating myself a little bit. I think Casting Crowns is still going, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, But I'm kind of dating myself because it was such a big deal back when I was in college uh, in Chicago, Moody Bible Institute, We were so privileged to have Casting Crowns come just for our student body out to an outdoor service out in our plaza right there in the middle of Chicago. We felt felt so privileged that this famous Christian band is coming just for us, Casting Crowns. Well, there's a story about one of their songs, and it was after, after really things had taken off for them, and they set out on the road, and and they started just connecting with with different fans of theirs. People would send them emails, and and this is probably back before the days of text messaging. They'd send them emails. They'd contact them, how they're being ministered to, stories about their songs. Well, one of them really caught their attention. It was from a little girl named Erin, and she had written them to tell them about this experience. She had performed a dance at her school, a public school, to one of their songs and told the story about performing that dance. And so they just kind of made a connection with this girl and they started to get to know her and and her family and they'd have them come out to the shows and meet them there and and they just developed this relationship over time. It wasn't too long after that that they found out that Aaron had cancer. And they decided, you know, we're going to make it our mission and ministry to walk alongside this family through this cancer journey. And so they continue to phone calls and and emails. And Mark Hall, the the lead singer of 
casting crowns, as he was going through this process, building this relationship with her family, he says this about it. He says, Watching Aaron's mom walk through this trial showed me the truth about my worship. Watching her walk through a real storm showed me that my worship was extremely situational. He says, if the sun's shining, my hands are in the air. But it did not take much for me to bring my hands down. And that's when Mark Hall in Casting Crowns wrote the song, Praise You in the Storm. And he wrote it in honor of Aaron and her family. And he was not able to get this song done before she passed away. That was his wish. But he realized in the process that this song was not just for that family. This song was for any hardship, any trial that anyone was facing, even himself. These are the words to that song. It says, I was sure by now that God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say, Amen. And it's still raining. Well, as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I'll praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold me in your hand. You never leave my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. Mark Hall says, Sometimes God calms the storm. And sometimes he walks through it with us. It's because of that that we can speak these closing words to Psalm 66. Listen to the psalmist. Let this be your cry this morning. It says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened, and he has attended to the voice of my prayer. What I want to say today, and for you to know, and my prayer is that you would embrace this, that whether you have that answer yet from God or not, we all can say the words of verse 20. It says, Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. He's not rejected your prayer. And he will never remove his steadfast love from you or from me. I'm going to invite the team up.
we sing our closing song and as we prepare to come and take communion together, we're going to sing the song 10,000 Reasons. And one of the lines says, as we start out, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again. This is where it gets real. That whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. May we be singing when the evening comes. I invite you to stand as we now make our choice, our decision and our response and our sacrifice. Maybe this is a sacrifice for you to stand. Maybe it's a sacrifice for you to raise your hand. Maybe it's a sacrifice for you to just simply sing these words. We have 10,000 reasons and more.